It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and the entire country is being urged to stay indoors and wrap up, especially from tonight, because a severe deep freeze is on the way. The status yellow ice warning that has been issued by Met Aaron, it doesn't officially kick in until midnight tonight and it'll remain in place then until about midday tomorrow. And then while that's going on, there's another status yellow warning for low temperatures and ice that comes into force at 10 o'clock tomorrow night and that remains in place until 10 o'clock on uh, Friday morning. Now, despite the very cold weather and occasional snow showers, it seems it's unlikely that we're going to get a large amount of snow. I mean, certainly not enough to build a snowman and it's going to be nothing like the beast from the east because people were speculating could it be another beast from the east that we had in 2018. That's not what Met Aaron are saying. They're saying rather than us being concerned about snow, what we need to be most concerned about is uh, ice. As I mentioned, temperatures today, two to six degrees at uh, very best and then they'll drop Tonight uh, could go as low as minus three degrees. That's going to lead to a sharp frost and ice on untreated surfaces. And while we have this really typically wintry weather, sort of dry and uh, crisp days, there will be a band of scattered sleet and freezing rain. And of course, if and when that comes and then that's followed by very cold, icy I see, um, you know, low temperatures that then leads to very hazardous driving conditions and particularly on things like roads and uh, footpaths. Be careful because already this morning we're getting reports in of some footpaths that are quite icy. Also getting reports in from people to say that the fog is quite dense in some areas. So please be very careful. Make sure you've got your lights on when you're driving your fog lights. Then, of course, take them, turn them off when you come through any. But there's some dense fog. If you have been out and about and have come across dense fog that's still out there now after 10 o'clock, let us know so that we can warn other listeners. Tomorrow will be another cold day. 
at daytime temperatures the low single digits at very best again there's a chance of more rain sleet and snow on uh, higher ground and that's before the Stasis yellow low temperature warning will come into effect at 10 o'clock tomorrow night and then a sharp to severe frost expected and then so Friday morning there's going to be very very tricky uh, driving conditions Friday again it'll be dry but you know some wintry showers well another crisp a day but very very cold fog and freezing fog fog is also expected to develop on Friday and then we're into the weekend and Saturday and Sunday that's when we're going to see what Met Aaron are saying is the true arrival of the Arctic air and it's been drawn down over Ireland due to a high pressure system and because of that even daytime temperatures at the weekend Saturday and, stru- and Sunday will struggle to climb even above zero wintry conditions then are going to prevail over the weekend and at this stage early in to next week and as always Met Aaron don't predict any much further than that but certainly the early days of next week this cold spell is going to be to be with it the only kind of good news I suppose is there is little or no wind so wrap up warm if you do need to go out but just be careful driving conditions and even walking on footpaths there are some real icy stretches and then something that I know we've been mentioning on our news all morning with a barium this is a real real worry for parents but uh, not just parents doctors and, and schools are now being urged to watch out for signs of a bug in children which can cause serious and unfortunately life-threatening illness the hse has confirmed that it's investigating the death of a little four-year-old child and they're saying now that this could be linked to this invasive strep A infections. Now, two adults over the age of 55 have already died this year in this country after the bacterial infection invaded their blood, deep muscle are their lungs. And the death of this child in Dublin follows an increase in cases where the bug developed into the potentially lethal Eye gas are what's what we're more commonly known as invasive strep A, and that's been happening since October. Four children aged under 10 so far has been identified as been infected in this country. Now, this little child in Dublin, their close contacts have all been given preventative antibiotics, and it'll be a matter then, obviously, for public health the teams there to assess on a case by case basis how far they'll extend. The, that in similar similar incidents, if, if a child comes down with it and becomes very unwell, all of the close contacts, could that include all, say, the children in the creche or if a child is in school, would include everybody in the classroom. Now, the death in Dublin comes in the wake of the confirmed death of a little five-year-old in Belfast, a little girl and her picture is in a lot of the papers named as Stella Lily McCourtendale. She was five. She died on Monday from a severe form of this bacterial infection and little Stella Lily was the ninth child to have died from strep A in the United Kingdom. Now, before everyone, we all start to panic. Most cases of strep A are relatively harmless and we've all probably had strep A or children have had strep A in the past and you know usually what happens is somebody gets a strep throat might get a bit of tonsillitis I didn't realise that imbitigo you know that skin condition that's also linked to a strep A but it seems that in rare cases if the infection gets into the blood gets into the deep tissue or gets into the lungs it can then unfortunately prove fatal unless 
it's cotton time and if it is cotton time and treat it with antibiotics then everyone will be okay and doctors are expected now to err on the side of caution and after assessing a child for a sore throat they are going to be now I think more and more handing out a prescription for antibiotics because certainly if you've been to a doctor in you know recent years and parents of children will tell you in recent years doctors are, are try to go against always handing out antibiotics and one stage you went to the doctor and before you even went in the door the doctor had the antibiotic waited for you but we know we've been overusing antibiotics and that's not good because then when you really if you do really get genuinely sick and you need to have an antibiotic if you've overused antibiotics they're not going to work as well and we also know that there's lots of viruses out there and antibiotics don't work on uh, viruses and for that reason many times and I certainly have remembered in the past going to the doctor with the doctor saying look you know convinced it's a virus but we'll give you an antibiotic and say, look, don't get the script unless uh, if after three or four days you're still unwell and then it turns out to be a bacterial infection and you will need the antibiotic. And that's been happening a lot with children as well. But obviously with this strep A doing the rounds rather than thinking, oh, this is just a virus in the throat. Many doctors will be erring now on the side of precaution and giving an antibiotic. Uh, a common presentation of the infection in children can also be scarlet fever. Now that obviously causes a fever, but it also causes a raised rash. Now the rash is describing like if you run your hand o- over the child's skin, it's rough. It almost feels like sandpaper. Now the child obviously would also have a sore throat and they could even have a swollen tongue. And to date for this year, 2022, there has been 55 cases of strep A in Ireland. Now 14 were in children under 10 years of age and that compares to 22 cases in children aged under 10 for the same period in 2019 so there is a rise in cases the HSE pointed out that the bacteria is spread by close contact with an infected person it can be passed on through obviously coughing and sneezing but it can also be passed on from an open wound some people can have the bacteria present in their body without even feeling unwell or indeed showing any symptoms of infections and while they can pass it on it seems the risk of spreading it is much greater when a person is feeling unwell and more than likely if they're feeling unwell than they are you know, coughing and, sne- and sneezing and all the more reason that it gets passed on. Schools now are being told to ensure that they follow COVID style procedures, things like hand washing, respiratory hygiene rules, uh, what, you know, children have been well taught about catching their coughs and catching their sneezes. Uh, So, you know, they'll be doing that again very much in the classroom. And also parents have been asked that if your child presents with any kind of a sore throat to please keep them at home. Now, according to the HSC, when treated with antibiotics, an unwell person will just have a mild illness, a little bit like tonsillitis, and they stop becoming contagious 24 hours after they start taking their medication. So that's very different from COVID. Parents, they say, should contact their GP if the child isn't feeding or is eating less than normal for the very smallies, the babies, if they have a dry nappy for 12 hours or more, that should raise alarm bells or if a baby shows any signs of dehydration. Parents are advised to seek help if the baby is under three months has a temperature of 38 or higher. For older children, you seek help if the temperature goes over 39 degrees. And they're asked to check if the baby feels hotter than usual, uh, if you touch their back or their chest, if they feel very sweaty.
obviously or if they're very tired are irritable and people obviously advised to call 999 or to go immediately to the emergency department if the child has any difficulty with breathing or the tummy becomes sucked under the ribs that is another warning sign so it's a it's a it's a real worry at the moment uh, for uh, parents and as i say we don't have confirmation yet what the investigation is ongoing about the little four-year-old in Dublin but uh, thoughts very much with the family of that uh, little child. I mentioned how parents, doctors and schools have been urged to watch out for signs of this uh, strep A infection which is causing serious and life-threatening illness. Cathy was on to us uh, to say that they had to get in touch with their GP as uh, one of Cathy's children had flu-like symptoms. Now, they did the usual. They were testing and testing to see was it uh, COVID but she kept testing negative for COVID. So they finally managed to get through to a GP. They spoke with the GP over the phone who issued a prescription. Now, thankfully, Cathy said her child is okay and the prescription uh, did work and whatever it was was going on, whatever infection was going on was cleared up by the antibiotic. But Cathy's point was, what if the antibiotic didn't work? Trying to get to see a doctor who will physically examine a child Cathy is finding impossible and wondering are others finding the same difficulty. Now this seems to vary from practice uh, to practice because certainly on Monday I needed to take Marsha to the doctor and thankfully I was able to get an appointment late on uh, Monday and when I was ringing I was nervous about ringing thinking I probably won't get an appointment until next week because we are hearing of people saying that when they ring there's no same day appointment. It can be you know the end of the week or the following week for an appointment. But I don't know how difficult and it does, it, as I say, I don't know if it's just it varies from practice to practice. Some practices are more busy than others. Some practice will have more than one doctor. If you want to see a specific, a particular doctor, you may have to uh, wait. Uh, but Cathy just feels, you know, with all of this that's going on now in the HSE, you know, warning parents to be on the lookout and to contact your GP, etc. You know, it is hard for parents to physically get in and see a doctor. I wanted you to listen to a call that we received yesterday from Gary, who is a local employer who was planning on having a Christmas party until he was contacted by his HR team with a little bit of advice around this year's Christmas party. And this is what Gary had to say to us yesterday. That I must appoint somebody from my office that will oversee that nothing is going on like bullying or incorrect behaviour towards in, uh, female employees and this type of thing. In other words, that one person that I appoint, one person that is overseeing the party, that everything is controlled in uh, a correct, I suppose, and responsible manner. I mean... I think anybody, uh, why should I be responsible if somebody passes a remark to somebody uh, that's not, uh, what I would say, in keeping or is um, out of uh, context? Uh, Why should I be responsible for all these things? And why should I be responsible for a person if they get intoxicated or they don't go home uh, correctly? Or uh, why should I be responsible for their activities outside of my business? Even though I am paying for the party and I am paying for the the night out, why should I be responsible for anything? So therefore, these are the rules and regulations. I mean, you could ask anybody about the rules and regulations. These are the rules and regulations that one person is to be appointed to oversee the party. I said to myself, this is a bit too much for me as an employer. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to write to every one of my employees and say we're having no office party whatsoever. 
because of the rules and regulations that your government have put in place for me. Would you like me to go home and put you into bed as well and make sure that you're okay? Because I, as an employer, pay you your money. I'm not interested in your social life or what you do or anything to do with your families or whether your wife has a child or hasn't got a child. It's got nothing to do with me whatsoever. I'm implying you to do your job, and that's all I'm expecting you to do, and I pay you, and you do your job, and that's it. And why now are employers imposed with all types of rules and regulations as to, and responsibilities as to how my employee gets to work in my van and how he is put into bed and how he's controlled and how if his wife has a child, then I have to give him time off. I mean, the whole thing really needs a big, big discussion because it's gone completely out of control. And I can tell you something. I'm having no office party. End of story. That was Gary yesterday, rather annoyed about all the rules and regulations that are, that are in place. So we decided that we would try to offer some advice to Gary and indeed to other employers ahead of the office party season. And I'm joined by Maura Grasick of the HR Consultants Peninsula Ireland, where she is the Chief Operating Officer. Uh, good morning to Maura. Morning, how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. Now, we haven't had a Christmas party season since uh, 2019, so they're much anticipated uh, this year. So if it's inappropriate behaviour at work, then is it still inappropriate behaviour, even though it's outside of the nine to five office environment? Is that basically the rules? Yeah. So as you say, this is probably the first year we've had Christmas parties in the last three years. So there is definitely uh, enthusiasm about them this year more than ever before. Because of the office party or the business party, it is seen as an extension of the workplace. So therefore, the policies that will be in place and the employment legislation around that um, is applicable to the Christmas party as well. Um, but I think the main thing is nobody wants to be, I suppose, the fun police and to remove any sort of fun and festive spirits that people can have. It's just making sure that people are aware of what's expected of them at that Christmas party. Yeah, well, I suppose the big problem, Maura, for a lot is you throw alcohol in into the mix. I mean, do employers need to offer advice around alcohol consumption? Yeah, I mean, what I would be saying to employers is it's just to drop out a note, let the employees know that the policies that they have in place already are applicable. So that includes things like the behaviour, the conduct, etc. And as you say, when alcohol is thrown into the mix, unfortunately, people's inhibitions probably reduce. And there's more likelihood that there'd be comments made that would not normally be made in the workplace. So it's just making employees aware that they just need to be mindful of what they consume um, during the course of the night or the evening. Yeah, because often, uh, even though I, I, I don't know if, if many people are going to be operating free bars, but, you know, often, you know, the food and the drink is paid for by the employer. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just being mindful about exactly how much is being offered particularly around the alcohol side of things. And then the other thing is there may be people there that actually don't drink alcohol. Um, so it's just making sure that you accommodate with them as well. Um, but it's really making sure that employees know what the expectation is in relation to it. Gary touched on the employees getting safely home. Do employers have a duty of care to make sure that everyone's home safe after the night? 
like they need to make sure that there is, I suppose, a way home. Nobody is saying they need to organise taxis or buses or anything like that. We just need to make sure that employees know that they have a, a way of getting home, that they're, they're safe. Um, and and that'd be the same with any night out that you'd have, be it with friends or, or colleagues. Um, it's just making sure that there is a plan and individuals have that plan. It's not that employers have to organise that transport. And that's going to become a bit of a problem for a lot of people this year because of lack of taxis. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's just making sure that employees have thought about it. So, you know, basically including when you're sending out your details, saying, you know, just to make sure that you've thought about how you're going to get home um, and if you have a plan in place in relation to it. And the office party, Maura, is not the place for workers to sort out differences of opinions. No, you're better off keeping them to the daytime <laughs> activities. Um, you know, sometimes things can get a little bit irate. So, for example, if somebody's looking for a salary increase, the Christmas party probably isn't the best place to have that conversation. It's better to have it um, in the workplace during normal working hours. Now, social media and posting videos are pictures. Should there be advice around that? Because, you know, some staff might like the idea of appearing on somebody's social media account. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good idea. I mean, obviously, social media is a phenomenal part of all of our lives. Um, and people do post up pictures on, on nights out, etc. So it would be good to include not to promote any social media activity for the workplace uh, Christmas party. Basically on the basis of exactly what you say, some people don't actually like it. Mm. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, they may say something derogatory in relation to the company. Um, so that might be an issue in relation to PR, etc. as well. And then if unfortunately you have to have the work party on a weeknight or on a Sunday night, you know, that there may be work the next day. People are expected to turn up for work. People are expected, but depending on your industry, you could be a little bit more flexible. So if somebody normally starts at 9 o'clock, you can push it out to half nine, ten o'clock um, and just let the employees know what that expectation is in relation to turning into work. If people are working from an office or a garage in that particular case, what time you do expect them in. And if you can allow a little bit of flexibility, that's always good for the employees as well. And Gary was told by his HR department to have a member of staff um, almost in charge overseeing uh, the party. Is is that a good tip? Like, I think it's a good tip, but it's not something that's a necessity. Um, it's always good to have somebody there who, I suppose, is, is maybe more sober, etc., or um, more confident in relation to what's going on at this particular party. But it's not a legal requirement to have it. What is the requirement is that the employees and the employers know exactly what's expected uh, within the work uh, party environment. Okay, and I was on your website yesterday where you were offering great tips around this whole thing of, of the Christmas party. And I particularly like the one about be wary of putting people under too much pressure to turn up. Not everybody will want to go to a Christmas party. No, exactly. You know, some people look, some people are still apprehensive of going out in social areas, obviously after coming through COVID, etc. Um, and some people just don't enjoy um, an alcohol environment. And if that's their choice to make, then you need to allow individuals to make that decision themselves um, and not to force them to go somewhere where they don't really feel comfortable in being in. All right. But listening to Gary yesterday, he's so sick of the whole thing. He's not going to have a Christmas party, which is really what you don't want uh, employers no, to do, Maura. Absolutely don't want employers not to do that. And I think it's really good to, for the economy, for people's well-being to get together and to enjoy this festive spirit that we haven't been able to do over the last couple of years. Um, and it go builds good employee relations as well, and it builds good relationships between teams. 
Um, so we definitely don't want people not to have Christmas parties. We don't want to be the Grinch at all. Okay. It's just making sure that you remind employees what's expected. Okay, and you've got all the advice uh, for uh, employers on your website as well. Listen, Maura, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thank you for joining us. That is uh, Maura Grasick, who is with the HR Consultants Peninsula Ireland, and she is their Chief uh, Operating Officer. Uh, somebody says, get the local priest in to monitor the Christmas parties. Do you remember like they used to do back in the 50s and 60s at the dances? <laughs> they would get in between any couple that were dancing too closely. They could make uh, sure that they were standing, particularly between non-married couples, says one uh, listener. And somebody says, God, Gary sounds like a great bit of fun. He has a duty of care as an employer when his employees are at work. A Christmas party is the same as work. He still has a duty of care. Happy Christmas, everyone. 0818 I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of Christmas parties uh, going on. I know years ago when we used to be talking pre-COVID, now when we'd be talking about Christmas parties, we inevitably would hear from people who work at home and uh, who work very hard at home saying, we never get a Christmas party and it is so unfair. And I suppose what's going to be different this year because with blended working, there are more and more people working remotely as well. So I don't know if the Christmas party maybe would be the opportunity for them to meet up. They might have met up since before the pandemic, but um, certainly for the hospitality industry, it sounds like that there's a lot of Christmas parties uh, going on. 0818, which is good news, obviously, for hospitality. 0818 Three, you can text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The chairman of the Jersey Island Development Association, uh, Martin Sheehan, has said that if the island's cable car is not reopened soon, he's fearful that cattle there could face starvation and the island could soon be abandoned, which would be the first time in 400 and 20 years. Joseph Sullivan farms on Dursey Island and actually his parents live there and he joins me uh, this morning just to outline the what's going on. Uh, good morning to you Joseph. Morning. I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Can you hear me okay? Your line is a bit distant. Uh, yeah, do you, can you hear me better yeah, now? Yeah, that's much better. That's much better. Yeah. Now, just to go back um, to earlier in the year, the cable car closed the end of last March does my memory not serve me right? Were, we, were you not told that it would be reopened by November? We were indeed. We, we had lots of different promises. We were promised the sun, moon and stars that we'd have a great service up and running by November. And when November came to show, um, we were promised December. And when December is here now, they're saying January, if not March 2023, before we will have anything even close to a running cable car. And what's been the delay? Everybody accepts that the safety works need, needed to happen. But what's been the delay with the works, do you know? Um, well, it's, well you, we had a lot of logistical problems. We had a lot of weather problems now in the month of November. I mean, it's not easy to get back and forth to Dursley at the best of times. And I know the lads that have been working there have done fantastic work. And they're genuinely brilliant and they've done the best they can. But I mean, there, there were times that they were stuck on the island without materials due to weather. And I mean, if they had to go to... I mean, at one stage, they had to go to Dublin, I think, for um, a part for some of their machinery. So, I mean, these little things all, all add up. But um, from what we're being told now is that we were supposed to um, be reusing the cables that were already there. And we were told, yeah, they were supposed to be reused. And 
and then all of a sudden they are condemned. And now special cables have to be sourced and, and made up from scratch somewhere in Europe. So so I mean, that's, further that's, delays. It's a Okay. Yeah, but I, mean, I, but I remember back in March when this story broke that the cable car, they have safety issues that needed to, uh, that work needed to be done. Um, then there was a fight to get a, f- a ferry, and that took quite some time. Talk to me about the ferry option, and is that operating? Well, the ferry does run. It, it's been running reasonably well all summer when the weather was fine. But now we're, we're into winter weather. We've had a very very poor month of November, as everyone can can see themselves, and. It's just not going to work. I mean, the ferry didn't really run a whole lot in November, and it was no, down to no fault of the ferry operators themselves. It's just that the weather wasn't suitable. I mean, at, at one stage, I didn't see cattle, my own animals, for just over two weeks. I mean, there, there was people stuck on the island for two weeks without fresh food and shopping. And, I mean, that's just kind of the way everything kind of ran out for us, really. But how, and how did people get on for the two weeks? You're saying for two weeks no one could get on or off the island? For the very most part, yeah, I, I, the, the rib was, was not able to go and our local boats were not able to go across the doors of town. The weather was not suitable. It, was, it, was, it would have been a suicide mission to try and get there and back. And your parents live on the island? Uh, my, my parents actually don't, but I, I run the family farm. My, mother, my mother's side of the family, my late uncle, they're all from Jersey Island. Okay. So, so how many people do live on the island? Well, you probably have three residents full-time full-timers, but I mean, you people that have holiday homes there, and there's a, there's a couple from North Cork, and they want to move, they, they have a house out there, they, they want to live there full-time. They would have been living there for the last three or four years full-time, only with, with COVID and restrictions now with the cable car, they just can't get there. So, if you weren't able to get on to the island for the last two weeks to see, to, to, to see your animals, how did your animals get on? Did you have somebody over there checking on them? They would have been, yeah, look, I have good neighbours out there. They would keep an eye on them. But like that, if anything gets sick and sore or any animal gets ill, it, I, I would find it very hard to ask a neighbour to walk into a field with some of my cattle just because I wouldn't feel safe from them doing it. If anything happens, I, I, I would feel sick in my own stomach if anything were to happen. I know, I know. But, and how many animals are on the island? Um, you would talk in the region of maybe 60 cattle and about between six and 700 sheep at, at, at a good guesstimate. For the sheep. Okay, and and over the winter months, the the sheep will be okay over the winter months, will they? They'll just feed away. They, well, the sheep are generally fine. The sheep are generally hill sheep. They won't be in the fields as such, but the cattle are going to be a big problem. But staying with cattle, there, there's people living there as well. There's an 81 year old man living in Dorsey Island full time. He hasn't left Dorsey Island since September because he wasn't. He's not able to get out. He oh. hasn't paid his ESB bill since September. So I mean, what's going to happen then? Are the ESB going to cut him off? I mean, this is only just one of the smaller other logistical problems some of us are running into. It, it, it's, it's not just about animals. It's about human beings. It's about people, their way of life. Yeah. And I mean... And you, and you say that more people might even consider moving to Jersey if there was yeah, proper there was access. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are people that are able to walk from home. There are people that are able to walk from home and they, they would enjoy living and walking in Jersey. And if they could walk in Jersey three days a week and go to work then maybe two days a week it, 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 it would work perfectly fine and when the cable car was up and running how often would you be heading over and back to the island Joseph um, between three and four days a week minimum sometimes I go in the, in the morning before work or I pop in after work if, if I'm able to but it's definitely three or four days a week 
guarantee. Yeah, but no cable car, no ferry. That's that's not an option. Now, I was reading somewhere about something. I have to say, I'm I'm very ignorant of this because I don't know what it is, but it's something called a derrick. Yes, yes, yes. There's a pier just below the cable car. And it's not a big pier, but look, it's the pier that all my ancestors and all of our neighbours would have come and gone to from the Jersey side. There's there's a, a winch and a derrick down there. It would have fallen into a disrepair. Now it would last two or three years and more. There, there has been no maintenance on it whatsoever. I mean, if that was working, yeah, it, it could it could help us a lot. So that would be a kind of a possible solution just to keep you going. It, it would help. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't help us all that much, but it it would be a help. Yes, it would be because when you have the swell coming from the Atlantic, it comes from the from the southwest and it comes from the northwest more so. And you're not able to tra- you're not able to make it around from from Garnish Harbour, or you're not able to make it from Castle Dunbar. There is a possibility around high water during the day that you, that you, you can put a boat in the water with the derrick, go to Dorsey, and come back again. I'm just thinking, Joseph, what is Christmas going to be like? I know it's only a handful of people living out on, on Dorsey, but I'm thinking of that 81-year-old man. Will, will it be a very bleak Christmas for them this year? It will. It, it won't be much of a Christmas at all, to be honest. He, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be better off in Mountjoy. He'd probably have a better time above there. At, at least he'd, he'd have company anyway. So it, 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 it's like a prison the way it is. And they didn't know other way in seeing it. It's like solitary confinement. And I know Martin Sheen was to join us, but unfortunately he's, he's, he's just suddenly been called away and is not, not available to join us. But he's, he's fearful that, that, that the, the, the last few residents that are there might actually leave. And, and if, they, if they do leave, uh, it, it will have an abandoned island. We will, yeah. I mean, it's probably one, it's surely one of the worst things that's happened and one of the worst scenarios that has happened in County Cork in the last 60 years or more. I think that people could be abandoned, their animals, their way of life and their way of making a living is just kicked to the curb, put away to one side. No one really no one really cares. No one wants to care. So what are you calling on the council to do, Joseph? Or what can they do? Well, it's like this. The, the Cork County Council told everyone on January 2022 that the cable car was to be closed. No, they have had from January 22, all spring, all summer, to organise cables, organise themselves. And it's only now that they're going looking for cables to get the cable car up and going. I mean, it, it, it's a bit late in the day. It's a bit of a lack of organisation, if I say so myself. It, it's poor organisation. And that's putting it mildly. So it's, it's not a hope that cable car will be open over the winter months. And I mean, I mean, and that was when it, when we were hearing about a closing in March. I remember thinking, well, at least in November, as we're getting into the height of the winter months, at least the cable car will be back up and running. And I think, you know, for people like yourself who go on to the island, people kind of said, yep. look, if it needs to be fixed, at least we'll be able to get back on for the winter months, which are the most important ones. Exactly. I mean, yeah. when, it clo- when it closed on the last day of March, at least we were heading into spring and the start of the summer. I mean, it wasn't as bad. You, you're looking forward to finer weather and longer days, but no, the days are shortening. And, and we've had a very poor month of November and we're guaranteed to get more weather, more poor weather again later in the, later in the winter season. So, I mean, trying to get to and from Dorsey is it's just not going to happen. I mean, we, we bring all our fodder into Dorsey Island via the cable car, our, fe- our dry feed stuff, our hay, whatever we need to bring. All our tools and machinery and tools and stuff all go by cable car. That's not going to happen this year. And how are your animals doing at the moment, your cattle, Joseph? Well, they're holding their own. So far, so good. I don't see much of them, to be honest. I, I'm only making it in for two hours and, and the ferry. The idea that they had does run, but I mean, so far, so good. But I mean, once they run out of feeding, that's it. 
Oh. I might as well be. I might as well go in and tell them the next day I'm there that the Grim Reaper is going to be coming from. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Okay. I, I, might, I, I might as well because that's exactly what's going to happen. All right, all right. Uh, it's it's you're certainly not painting a great picture for Jersey Island at the moment, uh, no. Joseph. Uh, Listen, uh, Dur- Dur- Jersey Island is one of the finest places anyone could live, and it's plenty nature and plenty free space, and it's, it's it's a lovely environment. But it's just the crack with the cable car at the moment. It's it's just really really tough going. Okay. Listen, we'll get through to we'll get on to Cork County Council just to see if they can update us. Even though I think you've done the best update, and I imagine they'll just back up what you've been saying, yeah. which isn't going to yeah. which is which is going to mean that the cable car is not going to be open until the spring. All right, listen, uh, Joseph, we'll leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Thank and, you for uh, your time. Thank no you problem. Uh, that is uh, Joseph, Joseph Sullivan, who farms out on Dursey Island. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in on Dursey Island and how I know there's only a handful of people that live there, but it's very different, of course, in the summer months. Lots of people like to travel out on the uh, cable car, but there's almost a sense that they feel a little bit abandoned, uh, either the people on the island or the people who farm on the island. Uh, Michael says, Cork County Council should have provided a helicopter service from the mainland to Dursey Island while the cable car was out of a commission. It is they, says Michael, who are failing on their commitments to the people who live on the island of Dursey. It's also failed the tourism of the Bayra Peninsula. Remember, some 25 to 26,000 people came to see and travel on the cable car on its last year of operation. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Uh, Michael says it doesn't speak very well for our elected representatives. It only shows their miniature concerns for the people of Dursey Island and indeed the wider Bayra Peninsula. This would never have happened in Kerry, says Michael, I can assure you. And a couple of other people are calling out local public representatives and why they haven't done more for to get this cable car up and running. Now I know as I say we will get on to Cork County Council I know it does seem to be uh, issues around weather and you know and in fairness to Joseph he was saying look the workers there are trying to do uh, their best but it does look like particularly now this issue with the actual cable that's used to run the cable car and they've got to go away and source a a new cable for it they thought the old one uh, would do now maybe it was only when they started the work they realised it wasn't going to wasn't going to work but it does kind of smack off did they put the proper preparation in before the decision was made to close down the cable car and have all everything lined up and ready to go so that they could get in and get out as quickly as possible and on GPs earlier we were talking about some people having a problem actually accessing a GP and this was with regard to when I was warning parents because parents doctors and schools have been urged uh, to look out for the signs of this bug this strep A infection which is causing serious and life-threatening uh, illnesses and you know you're advised to call your GP or even call 999 and uh, go to an accident and emergency department but that then led to people saying but how can you get through to you can't always get to see a GP Listen, says I rang a doctor one day it's in the North Cork area and I was told there was no doctor on so nobody was available to see me or take my call. About an hour later, my sister rang the very same GP practice and she got an appointment, no bother. It smacked to me of the doctor was only there for certain people. Well, you should have rang back and queried as to how your sister got an appointment when you were told there was no appointments available. That's exactly what I would have done uh, in that case. I don't know what's going on at that particular GP practice. 0818 103 103. And then on Christmas parties, when we heard from 
from Gary, an employer who's so annoyed because of all of the requirements he has to put in place from a HR point of view in order to keep everybody safe at the Christmas party that he's decided that's it. He's pulling the plug. He was having an office party. He's not this year. So he's going informing all of his employees today. You can forget it. We're not having a Christmas party. Alison said, I like going to work and I do get on with my work colleagues but I don't really want to go to the Christmas party. And while Gary has made the decision not to hold one, my company are having a party and they're insisting that everybody goes. Now, I've decided I will attend. I won't drink, but I'll be gone after about an hour. I just feel mixing drink with work stuff never ends well for some, says Alison. And I don't know if Alison is talking about herself, that she couldn't trust herself if she has a few drinks and she would be in the environment with her work colleagues or not. Maureen said, interesting, Patricia, to hear you start the programme when you you were talking about this very infectious strep A that's doing the uh, rounds. And then you go into a piece about Christmas parties. My son's company have taken the decision to postpone their Christmas party and they're now instead going to have it in March and that's due to the high levels of colds and flus and bugs that are around the place. And can I throw into the mix more in COVID? COVID certainly has not gone away and only in this week I have heard of at least five people who are down with COVID or a family member down with COVID. So remember, COVID certainly hasn't gone away uh, either. Damien's in Balancholics says lots of pressure put on people to go to the Christmas party. Damien works three days in the office and he's doing two from home. He's doing this blended uh, working. And he said, while I do get on with my colleagues, I don't have anything in common with them. I'll go to the party and I'll chat away. But for me, it can be forced fun. God, we've a, we've a lot of people this morning that are just really not interested in Christmas parties at all. Joe wants to know, why is the onus of care on the employer, irrespective of the situation? Surely some responsibility must fall on the employee. Surely the employer should only be responsible during the office hours or when somebody is in the office. Now it seems to be extending into everywhere. No matter where employees congregate, it seems to be the employer's responsibility. Well, they're they're the rules that are there. And they say that when an office party takes place off-site, so going to a local hotel or a gastropub or hiring a venue, uh, the rules are there's a risk that employees may think that company policies on preventing bullying, harassment and sexual harassment are less applicable. This, of course, is not the not the case. And that's why employers are told to remind all staff that the policies that apply equally to work, what relate to work, also are, are to be, um, are, the policies equally apply in a work-related social event. And remember, victims of harassment can sue their employers in circumstances where the employer has failed to take all reasonable steps to prevent harassment from occurring. And that's why the suggestion is that they have a kind of a designated worker, somebody who opts not to drink, I suppose, on the night and keeps an eye on everyone and can say to somebody, that's not appropriate, stop doing that. Or if they see there are any problems that arise, there is somebody there who is compass mentis and is responsible for anything going on at the party. Uh, Connor says it's the drink the dreaded drink that causes problems at this party. Maybe employers should cut down on the amount of free drink and that might solve a lot of the issues. Yeah, and I did say that in the last hour. I don't know if the day of the free bar, I mean, I think that's long since gone. I mean, certainly at one stage, that's what would have happened with us when we had a 
an office party or some kind of a, you know, whatever it was, a Christmas party, a summer party, there would be a free barber. Certainly in the last number of years, it's gone to voucher. So you've got so many drinks uh, and they're free. And then uh, and t- tickets, the same with most businesses. But then you can't, how do you, you can't stop somebody then going to the bar and buying even more drink. So regardless of if the employer is supplying all of the drink or just supplying some of the drink, you can't stop a worker from drinking to excess. And Catherine was listening to Gary, our employer, who's decided that's it, not having a party this year. Too much hassle. He says, uh, he, Catherine agrees. She said the employer surely should only look after their workers during office hours. How is he or she to know what will happen after somebody leaves the party? It's very hard to know if somebody's going to go straight home after a party or if that par- person decides to go into a house party or onto another bar. Is the employer responsible? Also, where do you call stop? Well, no. I mean, if they leave the event and go on somewhere else, the employee, the employer is not going to be responsible there. I think the advice from the HR department is that you need to ensure that everyone has arrangements for getting home safely after a few drinks and that it's suggested to workers in advance to make sure that you've got a taxi booked or that there's a designated driver or maybe somebody's going to come in uh, to collect you. The employer can't stop the person then you know, if they change their mind and go off to an office party, this is actually why the event is on that we were talking about. But certainly it's kind of a bit of a nightmare for a lot of employers. Uh, 0818103103. And I don't know if it is going to change, if other employers are going to go down the route of Gary and just decide too much hassle ain't going to have the party this year. 0818103103. Now, Larry has been on to us looking for a little bit of advice, uh, uh, please. He says he has a bit of a problem at the moment. Uh, His wife passed away. Now, he said it's over four uh, years ago and he's got four adult children. He, in recent times, has started going social dancing. So he's going out on a a Sunday night, starting to get back out and get his life back together. And it can be very traumatic and very hard for people when they lose their life partner. So this is what Gary has taken to doing and it's something that he enjoys. I don't know, maybe it was something that he did uh, with his wife as well. Anyway, he said... Recently, he ended up chatting at one of these Sunday night social dancing, chatting to what he described as a really, really nice lady. Now, he said nothing happened or or anything, but he said it was just lovely to be in her company and to chat. And when he came home, he happened to mention to the family, oh, I was chatting to this lovely lady last night at the dance. And, you know, I suppose filling them in and and what they were chatting about uh, and whatever. But it was the reaction of his adult children that surprised him. Two of the children says, well, I hope you're not considering meeting her again or going on a date. That would be an absolute insult to the memory of our mother. The other two were saying, go on, good on you, dad. You know, you've still got, I don't know what age Larry is now, by the way, but, you know, it's your life. You still have living left uh, to do and wished him well if he did decide to go down that route of maybe asking this woman out, maybe go for a meal or maybe saying, can we meet up next week at the dance again or maybe go somewhere else for a little bit of social dancing because I'm assuming she's into it as well. So they've got uh, similar hobbies. So his adult children are uh, divided. So he's looking for advice because he's assuming that he's not the only one that has come across this situation, both from a widow and uh, a widower, because, you know, obviously it happens with women as well when they lose their life uh, partner. Can sometimes adult children feel that no, once, you know, the other parent has passed away, that's it. The mum or the dad who's left behind shouldn't even consider 
looking at another man or a woman that it is an insult to the memory of their much loved um, uh, parent. So uh, Larry's in a bit of a dilemma. He doesn't really know what to do. And it's interesting because he said when he was chatting to the lady, it wasn't really in his mind that he'd ask her out on a date, but it was only the reaction of the children the next day when he started talking about it that got it into it. He said, oh, maybe I would like to go out. Maybe I would like to take her out for uh, a meal or to go out, you know, have afternoon tea uh, somewhere. But he's fearful now that if he even chats to this woman, if he meets her at at a dancing event again, that he, the two of his children are going to take huge um, uh, offence. And he says, you know, is it a slur against the memory of his deceased uh, wife and their mother? And he really is in a bit of a quandary about it. So he contacted us to say, would you ever put it out there over the radio and to see if you can get advice from some of the listeners? So has anybody else come up against that? Widowed or widower? That's four years ago uh, since Larry lost his much loved uh, wife and just wants to get on with his uh, life. Is he right to go out and start meeting? It's not to say that he's going to marry this woman or there's going to be any kind of a huge relationship uh, will come out of it. But or does he have to think of his children and how upset half of his children would be and uh, to the point of actually taking offence does he have to think of his children first 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking calls on that you can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103 and also remember um, the phone lines can get quite busy and it's only John Paul answering the calls you can also send us a voice message if you're on WhatsApp you can record a voice message uh, if you want to do that particularly if you get frustrated trying to get through on the phones and the phones are ringing out so feel free to send us a voice message as well on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With the new Charleville Nursing Home. Find their current available positions at molumhealthcare.com forward slash careers. Now, the Kayla Childcare in Mallow. They're looking for a childcare practitioner. CVs, please, to childcare.supervisor at lakaylafrc.ie. Dairy farm worker wanted in Mallow. Now you must have a PPS number and you need to have your own transport. The number to call is 087 A senior accounts executive is required in the Bandon area. CVs please to dcolinan at glasslinvets.ie. And a qualified financial accountant is wanted in uh, Clonakilty. CVs please to ross.kelleher at guideandglobal.com You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie now, the HSE has apologised to families after the number of children with a disability waiting for initial contact to assess care has now risen to 18,000 children. To talk about figures recently provided to the Labour Party, I'm joined by Cork East Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock. Uh, good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. And Sean, looking down through these figures, it's actually draw a d- dropping. Now, we're, are we, we're talking about children who haven't even been assessed for treatment. Is, am I correct in saying that? These are on the list to see what kind of treatment they need. That's right, Patricia. Oh. Essentially, what we're talking about here are children who require services such as 
you know, occupational therapy, speech and language therapy, ophthalmology, audiology, all of the range of services uh, that children would need. And what we're seeing now is evidence where there's over 8,000 children across the state who are waiting more than 12 months for initial contact. Uh, it's deeply worrying because it means that, as we know, for children, you know, every year, every month of life, uh, of development, where you, there is no intervention, where there is a service required, it, it hampers development. It sets children back. And it's worrying in that sense. And we've been trying now for a good number of years to create a service that is supposed to meet the children, uh, you know, as soon as possible. They've created these children's disability network teams. It's clear that the children's disability network teams are not up and running in a way that ensures that the children we're talking about here are getting access to the services. The HSE and the minister seems to be acknowledging that there is a big uh, deficit in the services that are being offered to children. Uh, and while there was a big policy announcement around this, it seems to me that it's, it's not getting better. And in fact, the figures would show that it's actually getting worse because... Uh, and then once a child does manage to get the appointment, get off this waiting list and get assessed by the relevant therapist... Are they then put on another waiting list? This is the point, you see. Once you have the initial uh, contact, you're supposed to then go into the service. So, for instance, you know, if you need the speech and language therapy, you know, the physiotherapy, it's no harm listing them. Psychology, occupational therapy, dietetics. You know, there's a whole range of services there that should be picked up by the Children's Disability Network teams or through the primary care centres, for instance. Uh, and where there is a complexity of care, where there is a multitude of issues relating to a, a child, that the system is supposed to pick them up. But what we're finding is that there's, there are newly created waiting lists thereafter once you've had the initial uh, contact. And, and the If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Poof, there is, for instance, in, like, Cork and Kerry, for instance, there's, there's over 19,000 children still waiting for those range of services and if you break it down for instance speech and language therapy there's over 5,000 children waiting in the Cork and Kerry region alone so in our region of Cork and Kerry there are now 5,000 children waiting for uh, access to speech and language therapy. Shocking. And we know how important it is uh, to to get in there early and I'm assuming if I get onto the HSC they'll come back and say uh, we've vacancies filling the post. That's always the reasons that they give. That's right and that's why I think we've reached a stage now where if the minister is telling us that there's a vacancy rate of 28% across all of these disability teams uh, in other words that there's something like 524 vacancies right across the state then I think we're going to have to fast track the conversations that we've been having previously where you have organisations called Section 39 organisations and the HSE and the HSE is taking staff from these organisations. The terms and conditions of employment of people, of professionals within the the, the Section 39 organisations like COP, St. Joseph's Foundation, etc., that they're far less than those working in the HSE and that conversation now has to be fast-tracked about creating equal terms and conditions right across uh, the system so that at least you're encouraging more people, professional staff, to stay within the system, number one. And also, I think, number two, there's going to have to be a conversation now about the pay rates and the conditions uh, so that you're not competing anymore with Australia or other parts of the world for talent. We are going to have to now come to a, a situation here where I think we're going to have to up the rates of paying conditions to be able to compete with other regions of the world globally. And, to be and, able to make, and make it, and make it attra- attractive. And yes. do, do I assume that some parents, Sean, who are lucky enough to be able to afford to do it, are some just going private? I, I think a lot of parents, understandably, are going private. But what I'm seeing now is evidence of waiting lists within the private oh, uh, sector goodness. as well. Uh, you know, and there is some evidence of that. It's, it, you know, so... It's not fair. I mean, if you have a government policy, you know, that says we're going to have children's disability network teams and that they're going to be rolled out across the state and and that those teams will be populated by psychologists, 
you know, and all of the therapists that we've mentioned so far, it's not fair to create the expectation that your child will have access to these services when, you know, it's clear now that the evidence is that the delivery of the services is just not there. So, so it's okay for me to call out, you know, all of the problems within the system. But what I'm offering here is two solutions that the government could take on. And I think that they're going to have to sit down with the workers, representative unions, like the INMO, SIPTU and all of those, and say, look, we can't maintain or keep the talent that we need. We're going to have to pay people more or offer really good terms and conditions so that we don't lose people to other parts of the okay. world. And, and, the, and the big losers at the end of the day are, are the children because early intervention, all of those therapies, every single one of them is vital. And and that's absolutely the nub of it. I mean, it's, it's about children. It's about ensuring that where a child needs a service, that the system wraps itself around the child, around the family, and, and the, the child gets captured by the system. And then as the child, as, as a person develops, you know, all of the services follow the person if they need continuing services. Uh, but what we're seeing here is that you can't even get into the service now. And that's the that's the disappointing thing about this for families. It's okay. really frustrating for families. OK, okay. we we'll leave it there, Sean. Listen, thank you for thank that. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. I and mean, we were talking earlier about people having problems getting in to see a, a GP. And here we add to it, uh, parents having problems getting their children in for any kind of uh, therapies. I saw... Somebody made a, a point on, particularly on the doctors. This is Michael out of West Cork, says Patricia, speaking of GPs and doctors. Uh, recently, just the last three months, t- two young doctors from the West Cork area that I personally know of have moved to Australia, both of whom worked at the same hospital. If hospitals cannot keep our young doctors, how in the name of God are we going to be able to keep young GPs in any practice? Uh, thanking you. And we've, of course, we've been focused on this uh, programme. We've done a couple of interviews about the good people of Bantry because they're about to lose one of their GPs and with a practice I think it was 600 patients and um, you know some have been told they're going to have to go to Ballancolly to see a doctor and there isn't even a direct bus route for any of the older patients who perhaps don't drive so we already have a problem with not enough uh, GPs and if you go into very rural areas it's even harder to get uh, GPs to take on a practice in a rural uh, area. A new study has shown the top 10 best places to work from home in Ireland this year and the only Cork town to make the top 10 is Mallow. Switcher.ie conducted the study in advance of new legislation which of course gives employees the right to request remote working. Commercial director of Switcher.ie is Owen Clark who joins me. Uh, Good morning to you Owen. Good morning Patricia. Uh, And you're very welcome. Now I suppose just to explain to us what elements did you include when selecting who would be in the top 10? Yeah, so um, alongside things like house prices, crime rate, our research compared what's on offer in each town. So things like broadband speeds and mobile phone coverage, access to green spaces such as parks, woodlands and coastline, the number of gyms and fitness and leisure centres in the locality and the number of cafes, coffee shops and food delivery services and then proximity to healthcare and GP surgeries, as well as top schools. So there's a good mix there mm. in terms of what households would need if they're working from home. And I'm assuming for somebody who is working, you know, considering working remotely and moving to a new area, I take it top of the list would be 
the price of houses followed very quickly by how good the broadband is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's a growing trend, obviously, be, um, towards working remotely. That means that you can choose to, to rent or buy your home wherever you like without worrying about where the best jobs are located. Um, so broadband, obviously, if you are working online from home, that's it. That's a key element, and that's something that you would look for, reliable, fast broadband that you can use uh, for, for work and leisure. Um, and as you say, then the, the price of the property, whether that's a purchase or that's rent, uh, that's, that's a huge factor as well. And of course, house prices vary so greatly, don't they, on around the country? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we looked at, um, we looked at across about 50 different towns and, and cities. As you say, Mallow scored eight overall. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that you know, when you're choosing a location, I mean, there's so many factors that you want to include. I mean, if you're, you know, a single person, that's different than if you're in a family. You know, if you're in a family, you may want to be close to, you know, health services, good schools, and you want to feel safe in your neighbourhood as well. And um, uh, Mallow came in eighth place in, in the top ten. What shone out for Mallow? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it, it's one of the cheapest towns to work from. That's That's uh, what the research found um, before that money you'll get good access to top schools, health services and a decent choice of broadband and mobile providers as well as you know plenty of coffee shops and, and, and cafes um, And what, by the way what town came out on top? Where's the best uh, place to work? The, the top town uh, was Castlebar and Mayo okay. <laughs> It was Castlebar and Mayo that right. had the highest score index it's actually kind of neck and neck with Leeds, Flipping Kildare as well. Okay. Or, or, yeah, okay. And and when will employees have this right to request remote working? Um, I think that's coming in from next year. And do you expect many people will consider it? Um, I, I have to say there's been a significant shift towards uh, employees wanting to work remotely. I know uh, at switcher.ie we have, uh, you know, three or four employees working remotely. So it is, it is something that I think won't go away. Um, I think there will be a trend, obviously, towards maybe larger companies trying to, uh, you know, bring uh, employees back into, into the workplace. But that, again, may be, you know, two days a week or three days a week. But I think remote working is certainly here to stay. OK, and, and we would never have even, been, I'd say, had this discussion before the pandemic it's it's incredible isn't it because even before the pandemic when some people were asking could they work remotely a lot of employees were really against it yeah i i mean again it depends on 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 the employer and and possibly the size of the organization if it's um you know a large organization you know there's there's groups of people and and it might be easier for that company to give uh, you know so many days a, a month say uh, for remote working but like a, a small a small Irish company or a small startup you know they possibly might rely on their on their staff heavily and, and want the team to be together so it really depends on the employer. Yeah and of course it depends on the type of work there's certain jobs that you simply just can't do from home. Yeah absolutely I mean there's you know there's there's manufacturing and there's you know food processing processing you know there's a whole range of of industries you know we, we mentioned coffee shops for example you know the, the staff that work there can't work remotely but there is a large cohort of of irish employees that can work remotely and you know wouldn't affect the quality of their work 
Um, and it means possibly, as I say, they could move to a different location. Um, they could avail of cheaper rent, uh, cheaper house prices, you know, better facilities. Um, yeah, and, and, and better quality of life yeah, for Yeah, I family. mean, certainly anyone I've spoken to who has made that jump and, and are in a position that their uh, employer are very much in favour of remote working, the work-life balance seems to be huge. I mean, f- certainly if you think of anyone who, say, worked in some of the, you know, the larger cities, people, for example, who worked in, in Dublin and had, like, really long uh, commutes, even just taking the commute away from them has made a huge difference to their life. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got to build in as well the cost of fuel as well, transport if you're if you're using a car instead of public transport as well. So, it, it, it you know, it can have an impact on the back pocket as well in terms of uh, saving money. And then there's the environmental impact as well. So, you know, if there's less cars on the road, for example. I do think, though, that, you know, this, you know remote working people have to be vigilant and, and make sure that they do exercise and they do get away from their desk and, and move around and, you know, do have, you know, social activities as well built into that because you are missing that office environment where you would mix with colleagues. So, you know, it's equally important as, as good as remote working is for some employees. Um, you know, you, you have to train yourself as well to, to make sure that you're, fulfilling all the other elements of your life in terms yeah, of and, and let's you know while, while we're obviously advocating the pluses of it it doesn't work for everyone I mean I mean certainly during the pandemic we would have heard from uh, some listeners who were literally going out of their mind they hated working from home and they missed that the it was just the water cooler moment or they just missed the social the social aspect of going into work and just meeting and just you know talking about the silly things that happen every day or what you watch on TV last night or how are the kids getting on just that social interaction of people. Yes, for sure, and I mean there's there's that social element of it as well, but there's also the the creativity element of it as well, where you know you have a, a group of people possibly brainstorming together in a, in a, in a room. And yeah, I mean you can try and replicate that uh, via you know video calls, etc. But you know, sometimes it's great to be next to your colleague and to be able to, I suppose, have some balance between, you know, the work conversation, which is obviously important and pays the bills, but then, you know, build a relationship with that person as well. So I think it would have been quite difficult as well for anybody who joined a new company during the pandemic as well, because they would have been potentially trained in remotely, which would have been a new experience for them. Mm. Well, actually, only earlier today, we were talking about the office, the Christmas party, which is uh, back after its um, hiatus. I mean, I think they were last held in 2019. And uh, I saw one of our texters saying, really looking forward to the Christmas party because she's going to get to meet her work colleagues for the first time in person. She joined the company and she's remained working remotely and she's never met up with the rest of the people in the office. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I'm sure there's there's uh, there's many people in the same situation, yeah. and, and I mean that 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 social element, as you say, is is equally as important as feeling part of a, a project or feeling uh, feeling part of a company or a team, for example. So yeah, I mean that 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 bonding and the social element of it, you know, hopefully hopefully that's not lost, and that's why I say anyone who is working from home, I think they do need to be you know, uh, vigilant with themselves and make sure that they fulfil all the needs of, of, 
of their role within a company and, and make sure that they have the social activities to go with it. Okay, but looking down to all the list of uh, towns and cities that you used uh, for your survey, the one thing that struck me when I was going down through it uh, yesterday when this work-life balance bill comes in and, you know, and perhaps more and more people will opt for re- remote working, it's going to be great for a lot of these towns, isn't it, to inject new people into the area? For sure. I For sure. I mean, it's... You know, we've we've heard recently that, you know, if you shop local at Christmas, you know, the impact that that has on the, the local economy. If people are staying in the local economy, uh, you know, in the, the local area and, and investing in, you know, buying meals and shopping and coffee shops, etc., that has a huge impact on the surrounding area. It's really positive. Yeah. OK, and very finally, I can't have uh, Owen Clark on from switcher.ie without mentioning electricity bills. Um, electricity bills are starting to arrive for a lot of, of um, uh, people now, I suppose. It's cushioned because of the €200 Euro energy credit from the, the government. But, Owen, you would say if somebody hasn't switched in the last number of years, now is a good time to be thinking about it. Yes, I mean, it, it now is, it, it, it's an hour and ever moment. I mean, you, you need to do it. You need to make sure that you're on the cheapest possible rate. If you haven't switched in the last 12 months, there's a good chance that you're on your supplier's uh, standard rate, which is typically their, their uh, most expensive rate. So but there's a couple of options available. I mean, every, every energy supplier has increased prices, but there's still value to be had. The discounts are are less. If I think back, you know, two three years ago, there was suppliers offering discounts of, you know, forty percent yeah. and sometimes above that. Now we're looking at you know a little bit of a plateau where suppliers are offering ten percent, but it's ten percent on a much larger bill yeah. because the cost has gone up. So there's still value to be had and there's still savings to be made. And that might mean that you, you end up staying with your existing supplier and negotiating a, a, a discount with them, which is which is possible. And, you know, if somebody is happy with their existing supplier, that might be an option for them. And then the other option then is to, is to switch to a, a new supplier and avail of their new customer discount for a 12-month period. But you know, really be vigilant and, you know, submit regular meter readings, try and close off any drafts in the house, uh, think about how you're preparing meals. I mean, ovens, for example, will consume quite a lot of energy. So if you can batch cook a meal, that, that you know, will save some electricity. I think people are, are, people are, are very aware of the size of bills now, and it is a huge worry for them. So, I think if they are in, in, in dire straits, which which many households are, I mean, there is support. I would contact your existing supplier and sometimes you could work out potentially a payment plan with that supplier to pay back. Because I think when the bill spirals and you feel that you're falling behind, well, then it's it really has an impact on people's mental health as well as you know, trying to to, 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 to deal with the cost of living. Juggling all the other bills, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not just just the gas and electricity. Obviously, that's a huge one this time of the year. Um, And and yeah, I mean, there will be people that are wearing hats and jackets in the house to to turn off the heat for, for a period of time. So, 
think we just, we, as, a, as a country and, and individuals and households, we just need to be really conscious of, of uh, energy consumption in the coming months. And yeah. hopefully just, we don't get too many cold spells. Yeah, and hopefully get through it. And uh, this war in Ukraine will end and we'll get back to some kind of normality. Owen, as always, good words of advice. Switcher.ie, the place to go for more information. Listen, Owen, thank you for that. Enjoyed our chat. You're, welcome. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a reminder to you, we're into week two of our giveaway with the Super Value gift cards by Friday of this week. We in total would have given away €5,000 worth of Super Value gift cards. It's C103's Christmas coverage, your chance to win a €500 festive shopping spree. We're reminding you to listen at nine, two and five weekdays to count the Christmas bells. Now, yesterday, um, Martina made a call on Drive and she made a call to Kay Moore. Here's how she got on. We're talking to Kay Moore in Cove. Hello, Kay. Hi, Martina. I'm hoping that you know the correct amount of bells today. I'm hoping I do. 14. Are you correct? Let's see. <laughs> yes, you are. Congratulations, <laughs> Kay. Congratulations. Do you have far to go to a Super Value to uh, no, have this festive shopping No, we have one here spring? in Cove in um, Tricknock, Garvey Super uh, Value. So not too fantastic. far. Fantastic. Great. And are you the person like managing the Christmas preparations for the family? Well, I, I am. It's just me and my husband. So um, this would make okay. a big difference to us. It really it will. <laughs> and you know what? It doesn't have to be all about Christmas either because you can like save some of this and make it last that's, over the weeks. That's, that's very true. That's very true. Well done and congratulations. Kay Moore in Cove, our latest winner on the C103's Christmas uh, covered. Hopefully... You count to the bells, the Christmas bells at nine with Ken. Nick will play more Christmas bells at two and then Martina will play out the final set for today at five after she's played the final set. That's when you text her WhatsApp Martina on drive with the total amount along with your name and address for your chance to win. The C103's Christmas covered with Super Value gift cards perfect for every occasion. Now they are available in store. Uh, you can get them online for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. You simply search Super Value gift card but you've got to be listening 9am, 2pm and 5pm to win only on C103. Now let me go to some of your calls and comments coming in. I was speaking with Owen Clark of Switcher who was talking about the best places to work from home in Ireland and this survey that they did and how Mallow Town was the only town in Cork to feature in the top 10. That prompted a listener said, I would love to know where in Mallow are houses to buy or rent and where are they cheap? Because they're not. Mallow is as rip-off in the market as everywhere else is. What does Owen think he is talking about? Okay, the price of houses, while a cheap I think is the wrong word to use, it was affordable housing, I think they were looking at, but they were looking at a number of other things. Obviously, I was making the point that houses, availability of houses and cost of houses and broadband would be top of the list of somebody who would be thinking of moving anywhere around the country uh, for as part of remote working. So, I mean, they took in a number of things into uh, consideration. It wasn't just the how the, the and it was price of houses rather than the availability I think of houses and you know and they were looking at things like the, the broadband the mobile coverage uh, places in the town where you could go for fitness to stay healthy somewhere to go to 
buy and you know get a bite to eat or when life gets busy and then obviously if you've got a family they look to things about what are the health services like are there good schools in the area about and all above all else is it a safe place uh, to live and work and especially to live and raise a uh, family and that's how but on the price of houses I'm assuming it was a three bedroom they got the average price of a three bedroom semi and for Mallow it came out at 210,000 uh, 639 euro now that's not to say that there is an amount of houses at that at that price but I think it was more affordability than the amount of houses and that would have been reflected in all of the other towns uh, that were featured there was 50 towns in total thank you for your text though to 0862 103 103 we were talking about waiting lists in the last hour with uh, Sean Sherlock and these waiting lists just seem to be getting longer 18,000 children with a disability just waiting for a contact be it from ophthalmology trying to get in to see an occupational therapist speech and language therapist psychology right across the whole multi-D team the waiting lists just seem to be getting uh, longer that prompted some commentary in from some of our listeners this morning Liam Imbruff says uh, years ago people used to go to a pharmacist or to an or this is to do with doctors lack of doctors used to go to a pharmacy or to a nurse within the pharmacy just for advice or for say smaller ailments I feel says Lehman Brough that doctors stopped pharmacies from giving advice and wanted everything themselves and now they can't cope hence there are waiting lists and the waiting lists are going up and up and people can't access the GP I, I don't know if GPs were stopping anybody going for a pharmacy and nobody you can still go to a pharmacy and the HSE, certainly during COVID times and during flu season, we run ads from the HSE saying, don't forget about your pharmacy. And I, I certainly, the pharmacy I use has the most wonderful pharmacist who I'd regularly go in and take advice from. And I think a lot of people still do that. And particularly, probably now, Liam, do it more than ever because they can't access a doctor and they are going to a pharmacy and get, getting sorted out rather than ending up at the GP practice. James Imbrury said, we've always had waiting lists in this country. Even when Sean Sherlock and Labour was in power, there was even waiting lists then. But we've all of these various departments within the government and they seem to be all over the place. Nothing ever seems to change. Well, I think what changed in children's disability was the children's disability network teams and they were put into nine community healthcare organisations. And since they've gone in, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. There's just a huge problem with the vacancy rate. There's 28% vacancy rates across all of those children's disability and network teams. And obviously that's putting a knock on effect then to the physiotherapist or the occupational therapist or the audiologist. Their workload is, is gone huge. And I don't know, to me, it seems to have got worse since they put in these disability uh, teams. Thanks for your call, uh, James. Anna via email says, Patricia, listening to your interview with Sean Sherlock, my son is on a waiting list since he was in senior infants. He's now in first year in secondary school. We've never been called since he went on that waiting list. I got a letter when he was in fourth class to say, oh, just to let you know, your son is still on the list. We were one of the lucky ones. I was able to go privately with him, but not everyone is so lucky. And the HSE don't know that Anna has taken her son privately, so her son is still on the list. I don't know what therapy it was for, but in senior infants, so it would have been, what, six is now in first year, so 12 going on 13 and still hasn't been called. Isn't that incredible? And Elaine says, my grandson is 29 years of age and is nonverbal. 
Elaine reckons her son has been on a waiting list for over 25 years. He's never received speech therapy or physiotherapy. And Elaine said it was through her dedication and guidance that she helped him to walk. She says her GP to this day is shocked that he's never managed to get anything out of the public system. Isn't that unreal? 0818-103-103. And let me go back to Christmas parties. We were discussing Christmas parties. Um, earlier. Hi Patricia about Christmas parties regarding the rules and the bullying etc that can take place amongst employees. Let us never forget that it's not just the workers often the bullying intimidation can happen from the employer as well that's from Elizabeth and uh, Shay says no to office parties this year. He reckons what is a better plan is for businesses to give gift vouchers for a local shop. You'll keep it safe, keep it clean. And Shay says what you have to remember is it's drugs as well as drinking nowadays. If Shay had his way, he would suggest banning the Christmas parties. 0818103103. And on petrol prices, John and Clonic Kilty says, Patricia, on the price of petrol and diesel, why are they still so high? It's dropping and everybody accepts that but it's dropping at a snail's pace and has been over the past few months the price of a barrel of oil today according to our John and Clam is $78 a barrel he reckons it's still about 15 cent a litre higher than the price of a barrel of oil at the moment and what it should be and it is dropping and we're all delighted to see it dropping at the petrol pumps but according to John it's at a snail's pace and certainly John it seems to go up much faster than it comes down. I think everyone would agree on that. 0818103103. A reminder to get any questions in, please, for Peter. Keep those coming. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Adam Cara are meeting in the Clayton Silver Springs Hotel uh, this evening at 7.15. All bereaved parents are welcome. Adam Cara are appealing to the public to light up their virtual Christmas tree. It's in memory of a loved one. And you can do so by donating. You'll be helping Anam Cara to support bereaved parents throughout the year. You can visit anamcara.ie and follow the link to donate. Blackwater Family Carers, they meet, they will meet tomorrow morning, Thursday at 11am to 12 noon in the Fergus Hotel in Mitchellstown. They meet every second Thursday morning in Formoy Resource Centre. And Porrick is your contact at 87 the HSE mobile vaccination unit will run a COVID vaccination clinic at Clonakilty GAA Club tomorrow Thursday from 10am to 12.30. And again in the afternoon, half one to three. You can book an appointment online at hsc.ie forward slash book. Or you can just show up on the day. It's important though to check your eligibility online at hsc.ie before you book an important. And Lenamore Panto this year is Puss in Hoots, <laughs> preceded by the inventive genius of Garnish. It's in the community centre this Friday, Saturday and uh, Sunday. And then the following weekend, Saturday the 17th of December, 8 o'clock each night, 
Admission is 10 euro. It's cash only and it's the most westerly pantomime in Ireland. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. You can keep your questions coming in for Peter Dowdle. Either give John Paul a call or you can text. I can see some coming in by text and WhatsApp as well. Now, I've had some advice come in for Larry. Larry contacted us because he is widowed with the last four years and he has recently started going out, you know, venturing out again and he's into dancing so he goes along social dancing and he's been really enjoying it but uh, on on a social night out, social dancing one night recently, he met what he described as a really nice lady and they got chatting and he really enjoyed his evening and the next day he started telling his adult children how he had met this nice lady and that they were chatting and he enjoyed her company. Nothing happened, he he hadn't asked her out on a date or anything and it was the reaction from the children Two of them were saying, isn't that fantastic? Go for it, Dad. You, should, you know, you should ask her out on a date and just enjoy yourself. While two of the other children were absolutely fuming and said it would be an insult to Larry's wife and their mother if he even considered dating another woman. And he's in a bit of a dilemma. He said, what am I to do? You know, he doesn't want to offend or upset two of his children. And yet he's the other two saying you should go out and you should enjoy yourself. So he's wondering if others been in the same situation and advice from listeners, please. Let me give you a sample of some of the texts and calls and emails we have we've had in. Firstly, Maura in Liscarra, I think, has got some great advice for Larry. He said, tell Larry to join a group called Widowed in Ireland. They're a group on Facebook. And he said she said that this exact type of topic is discussed and he'll get advice from those who are in the very same boat as himself. So that's a good piece of advice. Widowed in Ireland. And indeed, for anybody else who's widowed, you might like to join that Facebook group. And I imagine lots of lively discussions and advice to be had there. Now, Michael and Skibbereen says, I go to a lot of social dancing uh, with me and my wife. It is great, says Michael, to see widows out enjoying themselves. Before they would have been locked up and kept indoors. It's great to see people out enjoying themselves. I feel says Michael in Skibbereen it might be more to do with the inheritance and that's what they're worried about rather than their father getting into a new relationship Nancy in Bantry says those two children would want a good slap now we can't we can't be inciting violence Nancy do they want poor Larry to sit inside with his pipe and slippers for the rest of his life while they're out enjoying themselves and he's not the man is probably at the end of the day just looking for a bit of companionship. Rita says, I'm in the very same boat as Larry. Again, my family thought similar to that man's family and they nearly flipped the lid. I went to a dance and they said they'd have no problem if I wanted to go to a concert or a play and sit down and enjoy that. But they went mad when I said I was thinking of going social dancing. I think it was that they were afraid I would meet somebody uh, else. What I got was you can't do that to dad. I'm nearly four years since his passing so I'm very much on my own. I'm now living on my own and it's the company I love. I also really like music so I like going to social dance and and I'm assuming from that call Rita you took their advice and that you're not going which saddens me greatly. I'd be if you're living alone they're not keeping an eye on you I'd be heading out to the next social dance that's on in the area and go in and enjoy yourself girl. Irene says why should life stop 
just because you're at a certain age or because your life partner has sadly passed away. You're, you grieve long enough and you still love them. You'll never stop love them, loving them. But it doesn't mean that your life must come to a stop. People should still be able to go out and enjoy themselves. And if that means going to a dance, then go out and enjoy yourself. Martina says just because you're going to a dance, that doesn't mean you're going to go off with somebody. Why should that man not have fun if he wants to? I would ignore the two and enjoy his life. Tom in Rathgormick says they should go away and meet somebody else themselves. The children have their own lives uh, to uh, lead. Life is too short. And I guarantee you those children won't be sitting in in a dark evening with Larry. He will be all on his own. He should go out and enjoy himself. And some of your texts on it. My partner's wife sadly died. It's about 11 years ago. It was a very, very difficult road. Although his children were older, 18 to 25, the 25-year-old, I have to admit, was the hardest work of life, to be honest. The man, Larry, deserves to be happy. And it's no disrespect to his late dear wife. Life is for living. And if companionship can make that easy, then Larry, go for it. Dan says, Patricia, I would say that man's problem with meeting that lady is more to do with his children's potential inheritance than anything else. Drive on, Larry. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, says uh, Dan. And someone else, just a final one, said, I'd say best of luck to that man. Tell him, go ahead, be friends with that lady. Nothing wrong with a bit of company and friendship in life. If his children are all grown up, tell them to go and lead their own life, but let Larry lead his as well. OK, thank you for that. As I say, just a sample of some of the calls in for Larry. A lot of all of them very, very supportive. 0818 103 103. Keep your gardening questions coming in. Now, a lovely piece for you now, because the students... And Moontor Evan at the Gwaleskull Peg Sayers have been collecting the likes of toys, tin food and toiletries for Street Angels. So our reporter, Mairead Dewey, paid a visit to the school this week to chat with the pupils, with Evan, the principal, and with Hazel Dennehy. Now, Hazel Dennehy is with Street Angels. as Schools around Cork have been busy collecting for the Homeless Support Service. And here's how she got on. Toys, tinned foods and toiletries were among the goods donated to Street Angels following a collection by Gwaleskull Fag Sayers. This is the second year in a row that the school, located on the north side of Cork City, supported Street Angels. Founder Hazel Dennehy says help from schools is so appreciated. I'm still blown away. I can never get used to the generosity. You know, I had Kilbrin School last Thursday and they were amazing and they were new. Um, and we had the Gwale Skull in Mallow um, Friday and we had them last year. And we have Skullgubnaton and Skullyskon Mallow next Thursday and Friday. And we have there today and... The amount that the for the fact that the whole school got involved, I am just I just got smacked. It took a few trips back and forth from the classroom to bring all of the goods to the front door for collection, and students were only too happy to lend a hand. Afterwards, we all had a chat. Keen. it just feels good. It feels like you're giving back. Emily, feels good. Yeah, we collected toiletries, food, um, baby stuff. And some clothes. Hi, I'm Chloe. It was very, very important because I love to help out. Yeah, I learned a lot about being helpful and it's nice to help others. Erin, I took away about being aware of people who don't have home for winter or don't have anything to eat. 
makes me feel very grateful that my mum and dad put a roof over my head and make sure I had food every day. Olivia, mm, it felt great. I actually gave a couple things myself. I gave uh, two packed pasta, some rice and some tuna. Carly, just being na nice and stuff to other people. Um, we collected some toys for the younger kids and we collected some toiletries and um, there are food and stuff. Leah. It just meant a lot because I just like giving to people who don't have much because I think it's nice to give to people that they don't have anything. Were you involved in it last year as well? Yeah, we were. We'd done it as a class, but this time we're doing it as a school. Was it nice to get the whole school involved? Yeah, because this year we had a bit more stuff than we did last time we'd done it. So. Uh, Sarah Jane. It felt really good to help the homeless and the people in need. We collected like toiletries and tinned food and stuff. I am Ruby. It felt really good to give back to others in need. We collected way more stuff than we did last time. My name's Jaden. I think it's really nice to be a part of this. You should always share with the homeless. It's going to make them very happy that they have something to eat on Christmas night. Jerome, it was an excellent experience. We collected food, clothes, uh, toothpaste. Adrian Bernock is principal here at Ashwell's Gulf Feg Sayers. It's down to Munto Raven there now who started last year with his own class, but again, it's great for, for the whole school to see it. Um, it's a school community up here, and as I said, we're only, we're only um, literally 10 minutes walk from Cork City where they can actually see it firsthand themselves, and at least they know now that they're helping these people when those boxes are coming in. I think we all have to be appreciative of what we have at the moment. And, you know, there's fantastic work being done by Street Angels and other groups around Cork City. And I think, look, things have probably got worse with the homeless crisis and everything else, with the housing crisis. Things may get worse again. So I think it's good that they're aware of this and um, we can keep this going on a, on a regular basis. Moontour Evan is so proud to see the initiative grow. It was started last year with my own class. I had fourth class last year. There was a group of 18 and it was their kind of initiative. So I searched online, found Hazel from Street Angels, and I just took off from there. Really, as a teacher and being from the north side of Cork myself, I think it's really important to, you know, instill in the children that, you know, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, it's important to give. You can always give something to somebody else. It's really important to give somebody that pat on the back, that helping hand, you know, no matter what your background, no matter what your own funds or finances or resources are, you can help out. Even a, even a gentle smile is helping people every day, you know. Hazel Dennehy says they are seeing new faces all the time. Street Angels are on Patrick Street every Monday night from 7pm to support those in need. There is so many new faces. Unbelievable. Like I had an 82-year-old man come down and he cried. He literally shed tears three weeks ago because we were so nice and I do have fantastic businesses that donate food. We have fathers coming down with their children and it's sad and they're embarrassed. And I said, don't be. We're so happy to help. Well, it's a gorgeous uh, piece and those little little children, what a great thing to instil in young children that there are others less fortunate than them. And Hazel has asked us to please spread the message that with the extremely cold weather that we're facing into over the next number of days and into next week, anyone who can donate items like tents, sleeping bags, hats, 
gloves, scars, any kind of warm clothes are asked to contact Street Angels. You can go to their, um, you can email them at streetangels at gmail.com and you can call them on 87 276-8745 Now somebody wants to know is the postal strike still going on in the UK and I just checked in with the Royal Mail there and they've confirmed yes their postal strike is still ongoing they're doing it they have national strike action uh, this Friday and Sunday, that's the 9th and 11th of December, and then next week, Wednesday and uh, Thursday. And they're asking all of their members who collect, sort and deliver parcels and letters to take national strike action. So four more days to go with uh, strike action. That's affecting the Royal Mail in the UK. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Peter Dowd of the IrishGardener.com joining us on what is still a very foggy day uh, here and a very, very frosty one. Are you warm enough, Peter? I'm trying to stay warm enough, Trish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to stay warm enough, but we won't give out about the cold after the unseasonably mild and wet weather we've had. That is true, because that's what number, a lot of people are saying, like there's buds in the garden and there's buds on plants and there's, you know, daffodils shooting up, um, but there's nothing you can do now about the frost. No, and the, the frost will, will, will slow things in their tracks again, thankfully, and, and put them back to a, hopefully, uh, a more even kilter. Okay, now a Christmas cactus uh, question. Lucy has a beautiful Christmas cactus. It has already flowered this year, but the new buds that are coming are starting to drop off before they, the flowers open up. Why is that happening? It has had its a full bloom, but she normally gets a second flush. I'd say it's one of two reasons. Either the, either she's she's made the soil a bit too wet, too damp, um, or else if it's near a draft, so if it's near an opening window or a door, uh, and particularly at this time of the year, even on, even a window that doesn't open, if it's not double glazed, you know, there's a huge drop in temperature at night time, even before tonight or before today. Uh, th- there's been quite the drop in temperature at night, between night and day at this time of the year. So if it's next to a window, that's particularly one that's opening or a door, any kind of drafty situation, or if the soil is too wet, they would be the most common reasons that would lead to that Christmas cactus dropping the water. I suspect my gut is kind of telling me when she saw it flowering, she probably gave it a drop of water and I wonder was she just a bit too kind to it and maybe that's why it's dropping its buds. OK, hi, uh, Peter. I'm making raised beds in a new poly tunnel. Uh, could you ask, Peter, what fertiliser should I use with new topsoil? That's from Pat in Kilmallock. Well, I suppose it depends what Pat intends to, to grow in the raised beds to, to answer that specifically. Uh, I'm presuming they're edibles, right? Yeah, so, so I'm presuming, um, you know, maybe things like potatoes, maybe salad crops. I don't know exactly what he's growing. But uh, if you're putting in fresh topsoil, I would use something like the, the, the Nature Safe, the Nature Safe granular. It's, it's a, a seaweed. It's a completely plant-based feed, completely organic, but it's very, very good. It's an Irish-made one. Uh, and they do a granular form, which I would add to the topsoil before planting. And I would find that probably the best one to use. OK. Hi, uh, Peter. How do I stop magpies and crows from digging up my tulips and daffodils from beside my wall? Thanking you. I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I knew. That, that, that There are tricks for keeping magpies and crows away, like... Um, and you've seen them in gardens all over Ireland, like CDs hanging from string and and uh, plastic, empty plastic bottles filled with water, anything shiny and, and that will kind of distract them, they tend not to like. I'm not altogether sure how effective they are, those remedies. And also, I just, 
I'd rather cope with the, the magpies and, and, and crows as opposed to the, the CDs hanging around my garden because I don't like the look of them. Um, but the only thing I could suggest to you is make sure you bury the bulbs deep enough. Don't just put them just under the ground with the tips pointing up. Do bury them three or four inches under the ground and that should help. But I'm afraid I don't have a magic wand for this one. OK, Mary in Bandon, question for Peter, please. Is it OK to plant daffodil and tulip bulbs over the next few days? And I'm assuming she's thinking because of the weather and number two does industrial salt kill weeds uh, so in answer to the first part of the question first the daffodils and tulips absolutely in fact I, I tend not to plant tulips until there's been a frost so until the temperatures drop it was minus one on the car thermometer this morning so the, there's um, there's a particular mite and I can't remember the name of it just now but there's a particular mite that eats the tulip bulbs and it can't exist it can't live below I think it's plus two degrees so that's why I, I like to wait until it's got quite cold before I plant the tulip bulbs same with the, the daffodil bulbs could go in earlier but no you're absolutely not too late to, to plant either provided they're not soft you're absolutely fine yeah and I, um, I saw some on sale the other day I was thinking oh what they but you can actually still buy bulbs you go, you can, you can, yeah. and you can, like you can plant them really right into January, depending on. There's not all of them, but the you know your tulips, alliums, daffodils, provided they're not soft, you can plant them right into January. Um, so so don't be worried, you're not running out of time. They they appear in the shops in the autumn, Trish, earlier and earlier each year, like in some of the, the supermarkets and gardens. That you see them as early as August, and that's just suiting the supermarket. It's not actually working with horticulture. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it, it's still autumn, winter that you plant them. That hasn't changed. Uh, and then dealing with the second part of the question as regards the industrial salt, yes, it will kill weeds. It works on the principle of osmo- exosmosis, if you like, where it, it dries them out. Uh, but it, it can be quite damaging environmentally too, particularly where the, the, the solution of salt and water is going to run off to. So if, if you're putting it on a hard surface, if you're putting it on tarmac, be aware first it can be quite corrosive to tarmac. So if you just use it once or erratically, you should be safe enough. Um, but where is it going to run off to? Is it going to run into a waterway or a stream or anything like that? In that case, I wouldn't would certainly wouldn't use it. Um, but in answer to the question, it will kill weeds, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, in fact, you're, if you're de-icing your driveway at the moment with salt and if yeah. there's weeds on it, it will have the double, you'll have the double-pronged effect of, of doing both. Because you've got to be careful as well. Grass, uh, I've often seen grass, you know, at the side of the path, if there's been salt, it'll kill the grass. It will kill yeah. anything. And the solution of water with salt, will, will, it'll pretty much kill anything that it comes in contact with. So, yeah. Hi, Peter. I've got wild roses that are going on my entrance. I'm wondering when can I cut them back? Also, when do I cut a purple verbena back? Thank you so much and happy Christmas. Thank you. And happy Christmas to you. Um, the wild roses you could cut back now, really any time between now and the start of the new growth in the spring. So depending, it could be early March, it could be late March. But I would always t- try and have my roses cut back by the end of February so that they're, they're ready to go then. Um, the verbena, uh, the tall verbena, it's one called Bonariensis, and it's a really beautiful flower. But uh, the reason I'm hesitating is because with these cold temperatures, it's a herbaceous, so really what's above the ground is kind of dead and the life goes under the ground, but they they do tend to be short-lived. So if we got a harsh winter or a particularly wet winter, they may not come back every year. So they are perennial, technically, native to South Africa. Um, but what te- does tend to happen, don't, don't lose heart if you lose them, because they tend to set seeds quite freely. So if you plant one and if it doesn't come back, the chances are it will have left a seedling somewhere, so you will always have the plant. Um 
I would probably, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of procrastinating on this one. It's just because of the cold weather, I'd be slow to cut them back now, I think. I'd probably wait until the end of the winter and early spring before I cut it back. And somebody has suggested for the lady with the magpies and the crows to buy a scarecrow or make a scarecrow. They, it does work. If you go I should, I, yeah, it does, yeah, absolutely yeah. does. I should have suggested that. The only thing is that they tend to work only temporarily, you know, for the first few days. But but it's certainly a great idea, yeah. What, they, they get cute and realise that it's... I think so. You see them sitting in the arms of the scarecrow. Maybe <laughs> maybe an outdoor Santa scarecrow yeah, would work at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, Jim in Clonakilty uh, wants to plant trees or shrubs on the perimeter of a fort. Any particular shrubs that rabbits won't oh. eat? Um... Rabbits are, that's a difficult one. There are, in fact, a very good um, resource for this one is the RHS website in the UK, which will give you a long list of shrubs. But they're, they're hiding under the, not, not hiding, that's the wrong thing to say, but they're, they're, they're qualifying their advice by exactly the same thing that I would say, and that is nothing is guaranteed when it comes to rabbits, nothing at all. And what you'll find is, and I'm sorry to give him such a vague answer, but what they may eat, not eat in one garden, they may eat in another garden. So uh, I think the best course of advice is to have a look around the locality if rabbits are a problem, see what's surviving, see what they're not eating. Like in terms of trees, you'd look at things like alder, birch, things like that. They tend to be hawthorn. They tend to stay away from them, some of the dogwoods as well. But um, it's... It, 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 um, it's not 100%. No, no advice on rabbits really is 100%. The best thing to do, and I don't, if it's the, the perimeter of a fort, this pro- probably isn't going to be practical, but the, the most effective way, the only way you can say with any degree of certainty that you'll protect your plants from rabbits is with good rabbit-proof fencing around the boundary, but that means fencing that's going underground over a foot uh, or else they'll just laugh at you and burrow underneath it. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a problem. And they yeah. do, they can do ferocious damage there. They, they really can. They really can. One tip I would give, though, is whichever you plant is lawn mowing so if, if you collect lawn mowings in, in the, the, the bucket on the back of your lawnmower um, and just spread that around the trees around the base of the trees after planting they will stay away from that because that chokes them so they won't go near it Okay yeah and the one the hair isn't that another one you hate isn't, isn't the hair work yeah. human hair human yeah. hair it's said, to, it's said to work I've never tried it I'd rather have the bunnies in my garden than, than human hair okay. I don't know what it is about it I just don't fancy it it's like me with the snails and the slugs. Yeah, okay, yeah. listen, have a great week and we'll chat again next uh, Wednesday, Peter. Look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle uh, of the IrishGardener.com. And we didn't get to all of the questions, but we'll hang on to them and uh, we'll have Peter back with us uh, next week. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon playing the Christmas bells for Christmas Uncovered at two o'clock. And we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon and stay warm and mind yourself on the roads. They're going to be quite tricky tomorrow. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.